Hey there, Ian Over Easy listeners through here, joined by Andy and Tanner remotely. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing good in our social distancing format this morning. Yeah, we're, we're all broadcasting from somewhere uh, in the greater Columbus area, but not together. We are dealing with the uh, first couple of weeks of uh, COVID-19 and wanted to bring you all our listeners an episode uh, about that. And to be clear, we're going to talk a little bit about medicine. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the coronavirus in general. And our hope is to make a episode that is accessible to our medical listeners, but also something that they can maybe distribute to friends and family um, who want a little more information about what's going on on the medical side of things and what the ED providers are going through and what they're thinking about and why this is a big deal. So that's what we're talking about. Um, Right now, I'm looking at Tanner on a uh, screen, and I have not seen his uh, freshly shaven face in years, uh, just as I've not seen mine. So that's one step that we're all taking. Andy can't grow a beard to save his life, so he's always uh, baby-faced and beautiful. So guys, how's it going? Dude, I think that's the exact uh, epitome of how's it's going. I just shaved for the first time in like over a decade. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'm looking at these two guys and I'm like, I think I remember you. I, it's been a while. I see myself. I, I remember you. I see myself in a mirror and I don't recognize myself. My face is cold. Oh, my face my, is so cold. <laughs> my chin is larger than it used to be. I don't know how it grew while I had a beard, um, but it is no prettier. That's for sure. And my wife told me to grow a beard back before I come home, so... I'm actually going to do. I'm on day day three. Uh, I completely shaved, which was a little bit of a mistake, but I'm going to start growing what's called a walrus, if you guys are familiar with it. Uh, So it's going to be a gigantic bushy mustache by the end of this coronavirus. You guys are not going to know if I'm talking. All you're going to see is my my mustache (laughs) moving, and it's going to be priceless. My wife already hates it, but it's fine because I'll be quarantined and won't see her. (laughs) Uh, I I think maybe just a quick explanation of why we're shaving people may have seen on social media shave for covid just for the people who may not be the the medical uh providers doing this we're doing this because we kind of have to the way that we're going into rooms with people with possible covid we have to protect ourselves from getting it so we have to wear special equipment and one of the th- ways to do that is wear a mask that has a skin tight seal over our face and so if you have facial hair, you can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. The other potential option would be is to go the full like outbreak movie style hood with an air filter, a fanny pack, super cumbersome, loud, hard to operate in, not as much fun. Yeah, so that's, yeah, really, that's what you hear in the media called either. the PAPR, yeah. uh, which P-A-P-P-R, which is a pretty amazing device and is by far the best protection. But I interrupted Andy, but he was going to say that it's not that practical because there's just not yeah. that many of them out there. We need to save them for our... I see you doc friends upstairs who are uh, in these rooms for long periods of time and uh, are, we're going to need them down the road. Yeah. Agreed. So Andy, you came off a sh- shift last night, um, your first mm-hmm. shift dealing with um, the, the COVID outbreak. Andy and I have been uh, working in the ED a couple shifts over the past week or so. What, what was last night like? Yeah, it's, it's different. Um, you know, I, again, I think the point out to the listeners, we are in Ohio, so we have a, a great governor. This isn't to get political, but who, somebody who's taken the right action to encourage people to do the right thing. And so we've been, I mean, I'm not going to jinx us by saying the volume's been down, but it hasn't been the steady onslaught of maybe less than critical patients, but it's the whole waiting for the tidal wave. Um, you know, we're looking at the data. 
we're about 10 days behind where Italy, which is unfortunately the, the, the worser of the projections out there that we're basing what might happen here off of. And we're just waiting for the tidal wave, waiting for that string of sick beyond sick patients. And we've seen some of those patients and they've been admitted to the ICU and we're intubating them. And um, it's just kind of that, that constant uneasiness. I can imagine what, what, what people felt like if you've lived in a hurricane zone, that if you decide to stay home, because I kind of feel like that's what we're doing in the emergency department. There's a hurricane coming. And we're watching out the beach and we're just watching it come into the shore, waiting for that first wave. And we're just starting to get kind of the showers of it. So it's been very, very, um, you know, I think uh, humbling in that fact that, you know, something as, as small as a virus or something as little as a virus is, is causing true um, pandemonium worldwide. And it's, it's coming home. And uh, that's really kind of the, the hardest part about all this. I mean, if not to get too, too uh, emotional but last night i went to work and and i got a hug from my seven-year-old and he said daddy please don't die before you come home tomorrow and uh i was just we had the conversation when i got home last night he was still up awake and so we talked about what a pandemic was and, and he's like i know alexa told me and i was like awesome thank you alexa for ruining my seven-year-old's life um but it, it's the reality and it's not that you know luckily this isn't something that's killing young people but I can imagine if I was older that that might be a reality of me going to work. But and granted, this is what we signed up for, and this is the thrill of it all. But it's the reality that I've never had to do that before. I mean, yeah, let, let's be clear though. There's there's nothing yeah. thrilling about this, right? I mean, yeah. I, I agree completely that this is part of emergency medicine. This is part of being on the front line of uh, acute care medicine in particular. And I know all the physicians feel it because they're physicians and they care. Um, we get to see these patients as they walk through the door. I have never. Um, I've been anxious about certain patient encounters before. You know, you have that really sick, complicated patient you get anxious about, or, you know, something bad is coming in your door by EMS. But uh, there is an anxiety right now that just doesn't go away. Um, it's anxiety at home. It's anxiety at work. That being said, there's nowhere that I'd, I'd rather be than at work dealing with this because, again, that's, that's what we do. Uh, that's what we signed up for. Um, that's why we get hazard pay, uh, essentially every day we show up to work. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the reality. Um, and hopefully we're, we're earning our keep right now. It is, it is such a weird blend of emotions. I have excitement, right? Like I, I'm, I'm excited to do what I was trained. I trained so long and so hard for, and, and to step up to the plate and do what I wanted to be from day one of being, an ER doc, which is serve the people around me in, in dire times and emergent times. But man, I think you hit it on the head right there. And I didn't really realize it till right now, but it's normally we have super sick patients. We take care of them and we get them out of our ER as fast as possible to the place that's going to fix them. Now it doesn't matter how fast we move because it's, we're just, we know it's, it's gonna keep coming. It's going to keep coming. And at least, at least the foreseeable future, it's 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 going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Yeah, we all have families. We're we're all fathers. Um, every time I, I step foot in the ED and see somebody, right, I, I am essentially starting a new fourteen day quarantine period. It's not like, although I'm not quarantining myself because I can't because of the job, and and there's there's that anxiety when you're home too. Um, you know, I not letting my kids hug me. They can you know hug my leg when it's clean and. But there's no kisses. There's no, I'm not laying in bed with them reading at night. I'm not uh, giving them showers. I'm trying to do social distancing at home. I know some other physicians have gone so far as to legitimately isolate themselves from their entire family. I, I haven't jumped down that road yet. Fortunately, my family's healthy. So if it runs through my house, knock on wood, we'll be okay. Uh, but we're certainly trying to take the steps uh, 
to make it clean. But it's hard because the the anxiety is not just at work with the patients you see, but it's the anxiety is at home too. Um, and I know, Andy, you're going through kind of the similar steps I am, right? I've never stripped in my garage every time I come home. I strip in my garage now. Um, I've put up hangers in my garage to hang the jacket that I wore to work and the vest that I wear at work so it doesn't come into the house. You know, my shoes don't cross the threshold of coming in the house. They stay just these little things, but it's... it's uh, it's, it's a change in routine. I realize every single American is dealing with that right now in their own, in their own fashions, but ours, um, it, it hits home. Everything you do, there's a little bit of reminder of what we're up against. Yeah. I, I've never like taken clothes off and put it into a bag right as I step into my hotel room after work. Even then I'm still doing weird stuff, which is just, it's so bizarre, man. The hotels are empty. The airports are empty. The roads seem desert like compared to normal it it's a constant constant reminder that d- weird stuff is happening yeah so let's talk about that a little bit so you, you mentioned some of the things going on about things being empty because we're um social distancing and uh here in ohio i echo what andy said i'm uh, incredibly impressed with the ohio government right now being as proactive as anyone can be with uh, shutting down bars and restaurants and gatherings, uh, you know, only carry out food, um, only essential services for the most part being open. We're not uh, on total lockdown like they're doing in San Francisco or they're talking about in New York, although who knows that could come. Why, why is this such an important thing to do? Well, I think uh, the way Andy described it in the beginning, how we're, we're not seeing a ton of cases yet. Part of that is because we've already started these, interventions of social distancing and self-quarantine. We are truly just trying to stem the tide long enough so that we can handle every single patient that's going to eventually come to us because we just can't handle it if they all come at the same time. Yeah, I think we've all seen the flattening the curve maps out there, and that's exactly what this is, right? Uh, What Italy is experiencing right now and what China, um, particularly the Wuhan province, experienced was a massive spike that overwhelmed their systems. China has um, a lot of hurdles they had to get over. They also have a lot of incredible capacity. The fact that they were building thousand bed um, infectious disease hospitals in a matter of a week uh, to expand capacity is a huge feat that we're really not capable of in the U.S. We have some capacity to grow because of the military, but because of our regulations, restrictions, our building codes, building a thousand bed container hospital just is, is not necessarily realistic. In the U.S., so um, one can argue that uh, letting it uh, hit hard and burn is going to get things over more quickly. Uh, But the problem with that is a capacity issue, and we don't have the capacity to handle hard hits. So hopefully we're we're able to spread things out and keep our systems in control. Yeah, and I I think it's one of those where when you look at actually flattening the curve, it's really crucial in America because I think unlike other countries, we've kind of been at this tipping point without COVID-19 for a couple months, and even maybe for years in terms of our ICU beds, our ability to take care of critical care patients because of current already seasonal problems. I mean, we just finished the flu season. We saw a little bit of a emergence of it. And I thought about the, uh, the other day when I intubated somebody, I, we literally for a 24-hour period had no vents in the hospital and no ICU beds. And that was without a COVID-positive patient that without that onslaught of more people coming in. So I think it's been great, again, living in Ohio where we've started to see the, the 
the benefits of, of trying to flatten the curve by social distancing um, and isolation. And again, there's a ton of backlash. I mean, we all have social media. We all have family members. If yours aren't vocal about it, I've gotten daily texts and emails and, and phone calls asking me, is this really worth it? And luckily, my family only takes maybe one conversation for them to get it. Um, but again, I think across the board, people doing the right thing by staying home is going to make a huge difference. Unfortunately, we won't see all the effects for about 10 days. But I think 10 days from now, because of what's been happening, at least here in Ohio, I think we're going to see a big payoff from it. So, Yeah, let's be clear about a couple of things, though. So I, I totally agree that it, it, in two weeks, a week and a half, we're going to have a lot better idea of whether we've been successful in beginning to flatten the curve. But I want to be um, very clear that it is the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. If we think uh, that the 14-day period that uh, the federal government has recommended of gatherings of 10 or less is that's all it's going to be in two weeks. This is blown by it. That is absolutely wrong. I will be Mm -hmm. shocked. I don't want to make predictions because nobody can right now, but I'll be shocked if we're holding, I'll be pleased, but I'll be shocked if we're holding Memorial day parades and Memorial day gatherings at this point. I think, restrictions probably will start to loosen probably sometime in April uh, or early May if uh, we are really successful with social distancing. I could be totally wrong about that. And I also can't say social without uh, a little bit of my uh, stutter coming out. (laughs) But uh, um, we're in this for the long haul, but the things that we do right now on uh, essentially week zero or week one are going to make a huge difference in the end. I can't speak to most medical systems, but I do know uh, the city of Columbus and the central Ohio region, we operated approximately 80% critical care bed capacity throughout the winter. Um, that varies from 75 to 90 plus percent uh, capacity with just our typical illnesses, flu, COPD exacerbations, and all the other medical stuff that goes out there. So whoever out there thinks that there is additional capacity in the U.S. medical system to take on a, if nothing else, double influx of uh, people like flu illnesses um, or people who are having flu-like illnesses into our medical system, it doesn't exist. And I don't know of anywhere in the country uh, that it exists. So this is why it's real. You guys have talked about Ohio and and everything. And I, I want to at least share my perspective coming from Idaho, which was one of the last states to actually have confirmed cases. Now, part of part of that, I, I, I'm going to be cynical and say that's because we're just not testing enough. Like if there's one thing we've learned so far, it's that we didn't test soon enough in the US and often enough and fast enough. I think that probably would have changed a lot of the course of how things are going here today. But we're beyond that now. We're beyond uh, trying to contain and now it's just mitigating the the potential wave, right? Idaho has been really interesting because we didn't have a lot of cases or anything going on yet. And so it was a lot of just like watching around the country and the comments I was hearing from people was like, is it, is it really like that? Like, is it, is it just a almost like movie esque on these other places? Cause they won't, you won't really see in that there. Um, there was still the, the social distancing starting. There was the, the rush for the toilet paper. And for whatever reason, the perishable food items like eggs and cheese or not eggs and milk. But it, it took a bit before it finally started to hit. Now I'll be really intrigued to get back home after all is said and done, provided I'm not in quarantine, um, to, uh, to see the difference now that cases are starting to hit there compared to here. Yeah. It's going to be. Our numbers are going to spike, right? So let's let me let me be clear that when I say sp- numbers are going to spike, 
the question is again in the in the two to three week period is that spike continuing to escalate uh, like Italy is still continuing to peak they have not peaked yet you can think of it a little bit like a uh, a massive flood coming through uh, when is the river going to crest and in the situation of Italy right now it's not cresting and it's well over flood stage and the goal right now is to make the crest come maybe a little bit later um, but keep it well below flood stage. And the type of thing. So, you know, in two weeks, we're still going to see increasing numbers. It's a question of whether they're accelerating in the numbers that are coming back positive and the critical patients that we're seeing in our hospitals, or is that number stabilizing that we're seeing continuous hits day to day, to day without acceleration of those numbers? And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to not see continued acceleration in numbers two weeks from now. So at the beginning of uh, the first week of April, is our hope to start seeing numbers stabilize a little bit. And I think for everyone out there that's just going to end up be following along throughout the course of this is look at, use that number, right? Like use that to, to judge how well we've done, because it's going to be really hard for the general person to, that, that isn't infected, that doesn't have any exposure, that's sitting at home to feel like they've done anything. But that number is going to be the telltale sign of how well we did with all of this. Yeah. The, the best thing you can do as a, a lay person on the medical field is to not get sick and doing social distancing and washing your hands and keeping your surfaces clean. And if you are feeling sick at all, right, even if it is just the common cold or it's the flu or it's allergies, just do the right thing and self quarantine yourself until symptoms completely resolve and then a day or two longer to make sure that you're not, you're not spreading, spreading the, uh, the anti-love. Yeah. And, and I think the really hard part too is, is that the problem with COVID is that it spreads before you have symptoms a lot of times. And so mm-hmm. that's why we're having this massive outbreak because there's just so many people that have it that don't realize it. And so being, being safe right now, it means staying at home, don't get into big gatherings, Keep your kids at home, your family at home, ride it out. Yeah, do all the right things. Uh, with that, though, I do, for those of us that are living in areas that uh, that have done pretty aggressive social isolation and closed public gathering spaces, schools, you know, libraries, museums, restaurants and bars, if you can afford to do it, please get delivery, get carry out, support your local businesses yeah. to the best of your ability without uh, risking uh, spreading the disease because the second wave that comes behind all this. And if we haven't already figured it out, it's, it's coming is the economic fallout. And and that's not our specialty on this podcast whatsoever, but, um, you, you actually know, I, I have a hot, uh, I have a hot tip for stocks by soap stocks, uh, Grubhub, um, <laughs> earlier this week, uh, almost doubled its value, uh, because of the, the food delivery. Right. And, and, but do what you can to support yeah, um, those absolutely. restaurants and businesses that you want to still be around uh, when this tidal wave is is over. I know um, my family personally, we've made a commitment to eat out, not eat out, to carry out or get delivery two to three times a week just to mm-hmm. support the, the restaurants that we enjoy going to so that they feel whatever love we can give them. Yeah, and, and we've even had some in, in Idaho that are do, doing social distance delivering. So they will place the food item on your porch and then contact you to say it is there. (laughs) 
Uh, which is like a new game of Ding Dong Ditch, but it's done appropriately. Uh, and, it, and it's del- delicious Ding Dong Ditch. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a bag of poop on fire. No, it no like it's the best <laughs> super yeah. warm cookies. It's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I, I think that's going to be maybe one of the more interesting parts for me uh, when, when all is said and done here is to see what life is like on the other side of this, right? Because mm-hmm. think, of, think of what we're doing right now. Like you can only watch so much Netflix and TV before your brain starts melting and you're bored. So people are going to start having to get pretty resourceful at home and almost, I, I, I feel like it's going to almost revert to like the pre super technology age where you have to sit down and actually interact with your fellow human face to face. But with a six foot space in between. Yes. Yes. Uh, with appropriate spacing. Um, but, but I think that's going to be very, very interesting to see how that changes people's lives in in a in a good in a good way yeah we're we're in for uh, major disruptions um but like most things i agree with tanner that we're, we're, we're number one we're going to come out of this right yes um let's be clear we have survived worse things before um we have the human maybe not us our generation but uh smallpox measles these were all by far worse disease processes um much more contagious much more deadly and i will uh, link some some cool graphics uh to the show notes to to show some of this that is not to downplay what we're going through right um no. t- this is bad um this could be worse um we'll get a vaccine for this we'll eventually this will burn its way out uh, through society and, and we're going to be different when we come out on the back end, but we're going to be okay. Uh, and that's the thing to remember. We're all going to probably lose somebody that, that we know or that we love. And, and that's the way this goes. But for the vast majority of this, we're going to be okay. Yeah. I think uh, uh, when I f- was finishing my shift this, this evening, you know, mentally just fried from thinking about every single patient that I see, like, is this a potential exposure? Is this someone I need to, you know, quarantine or isolate and, and, and just like kind of done and a little just stressed on edge. And, uh, and I was scrolling through Twitter and there was a video from Spain cause they're on, they're on lockdown right now. And this guy who is a piano player is taking his keyboard out with big speakers and playing out into his neighborhood, which is like a, a bunch of, you know, high rise type, buildings and there's so there's he's just playing this amazing uh uh uh, what's the what's the soundtrack from titanic my heart will go on yes yes you saw it okay yeah my heart will go on right so which is you know very kind of uh poetic i guess for this scenario and there's all these people that are out on their balconies and they're watching and, and and listening and then some guy a couple uh couple buildings over pulls out his saxophone and starts playing with him in this kind of beautiful like interlude and, and all these people are watching it and they're clapping and cheering afterwards. And like, to me, that is, that is going to be hopefully the, the thing we take away from this when it's all said and done is that humans will survive. Humanity will survive. What we do right now though, is going to get more of us to that survival point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Safer. Completely agree. Um, in, in better condition and, uh, hopefully have the three of us deal with less super sick patients, um, which is part of the goal also. So I guess, I think for now we've kind of run the course of what we can talk about um, from a coronavirus uh, outbreak to start. Although for our listeners, we're going to try to do some updates periodically about just what we're going through Um, a little bit of a a podcast documentary, what it's like for three guys on the front line dealing with um, 
the coronavirus COVID outbreak. Uh, for now, I think our uh, advice is all the same, right? Social distance, uh, wash your hands, don't touch your face, clean things. A couple other plugs I do want to make, um, and I will put this in the show notes. Uh, ASAP, which is our uh, college for emergency physicians, is circulating a um, uh, a mailer that goes out to Congress about um, ramping up PPE availability for the frontline providers. That personal is crucially protective equipment, personal protective equipment. That's the the masks and gowns and goggles and all that stuff that we are using uh, to keep ourselves and our other patients safe. If you have a moment, please, please, please sign that and send it to your Congress uh, people so that hopefully we can ramp up uh, protection for those of us that are making it out and uh, going to the grocery stores and other things where necessities exist. Thank the people that are working in those stores because they're putting themselves at risk too. And they're giving us the things that we need to try to keep our lives as uh, normal and sane as possible. And uh, feel free to reach out to us, right? Stay sane, stay safe, and uh, know that we'll talk to you on social media and podcasts and whatever else. Absolutely. If there's anything that people have questions on or concerns about, please feel free to reach out to us. Most importantly though, we hope that all of our listeners are safe out there and continue to follow the guidelines of social distancing and self-isolation because every little bit that you guys do now helps us on the front lines later when we are going to be inundated with these patients. So please stay safe and we will hopefully be talking to you guys soon here in the near future about updates on what we are doing on the front lines of the COVID pandemic. Stay safe, everyone.